trust you, Kevin! My fellow people of Earth, welcome to episode 15 of the appropriately titled Nobody Asked You Kevin podcast. I am Kevin, and I'm coming to you tonight from central Indiana, smack dab in the middle of the Midwest, USA. So, a little movie named Avengers Endgame premiered in theaters last week, April 25th of 2019. And as of the recording of this episode, Endgame has been in theaters for a total of 11 days and has grossed an estimated $2.188 billion worldwide at the box office, with about $619 million of that coming from domestic sales, so in the United States. So, yeah, that, that's right, people. Just north of $2 billion. It passed Avengers Infinity War, and it passed Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens, and it passed Titanic this weekend, and it currently sits in second place on the all-time movie list, sitting only behind Avatar. It's, it's got a, a bit of a trek to Avatar's $2.7 billion, but it's going to do it. Um, and it's really cool to see that Five of the top ten grossing movies of all time, worldwide, are Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Avengers Endgame, Avengers Infinity War, Avengers the 2012 movie, and then Avengers Age of Ultron, and Black Panther. All of those are in the top ten grossing movies of all time, worldwide. And so 50% of those movies our MCU movies, which is a tremendous thing. We live in a tremendous time for movies alone, and then tremendous time for superhero movies. So, I saw the movie opening night, and I was completely surprised, caught off guard, when one of my favorite songs of the late 60s showed up in this movie. I've seen the movie a total of five times in the theater so, so far. I probably won't see it again. And I enjoy the usage of this song so much that I decided that this was going to kind of kick off a, um, I guess, a special episodes or a episode series of episodes of this podcast where um, I'm going to call it the music of the Marvel Cinematic Universe or the music of the MCU, where I'm going to basically spotlight a band and a song from the MCU, from specific movies. So, um, in this episode, and we're going to be talking about Avengers Endgame, of course, because that is what is in the theaters. And, again, when I heard this song, it was one of my favorite songs. Um, it has been one of my favorite songs for a long time. Uh, I am heavily into 60s, late 60s and early 70s rock music. So, today, 
we're going to briefly talk about that song and the band that played it. The band is named Traffic, and the song is named Dear Mr. Fantasy. bust arms dealers all the live long day, but that up there, that's, that's the end game. How were you guys planning on beating them? So, Traffic was a rock band formed out of Birmingham, England in the late 60s, and they were a psychedelic rock band. They're considered to be psychedelic rock. And you gotta ask, well, what does psychedelic rock mean? Um, psychedelic rock is a style of rock music that was inspired and influenced by what you could probably think of the psychedelic culture of the 60s, the 1960s. And it was inspired by the, you could probably guess it, the perception-altering hallucinogenic drug culture, and mainly LSD, or acid. Um, We can get sciencey here for a minute. Um, I am a scientist, so um, I will just say that LSD stands for lysergic acid diethylamide. It was first synthesized in the 30s, so it's an old drug, in 1938 to be specific, uh, by a Swiss chemist named Albert Hoffman. Um, He actually discovered the psychedelic properties of the substance in 1943, so five years after first synthesizing it, he accidentally ingested some of it and began to understand that it was a psychedelic compound. And then on April 19th of that same year, of 1943, he became the first person to intentionally ingest LSD. He actually, when he ingested it, he ingested 250 micrograms of the substance, so that's a very small amount, uh, 0.25 milligrams of substance. He then began to start to feel odd, so he decided that he was going to leave his lab that he was working and ride his bicycle home from the lab. Because you got to think, this was in the 40s, this was wartime, um, he, cars were not allowed on the road. So he had to bicycle home. He actually wrote about his experiments and experiences that day, and, and that was April 19th. And that day has now become Bicycle Day in drug geek culture. So Bicycle Day's April 19th is the day that Hoffman, intentionally ingested LSD and wrote about its effects on a bicycle ride. LSD, from a pharmacological perspective, it's a serotonin receptor agonist. It binds to serotonin or um, what we typically call 5-hydroxytryptamine receptors or 5-HT receptors in the body and produces a psychedelic and hallucinogenic effect. So things Um, like uh, visual hallucinations and illusions, commonly referred to as like trips, though you're tripping on acid. Things, you see things like radiant colors, objects and surfaces appear to like ripple or move or breathe. You see what is considered to be eidetic imagery, basically colored patterns when you close your eyes, you start to see patterns. 
altered senses of time, kaleidoscopic patterns, morphing objects. So LSD itself basically affects the senses, emotions, memories, time, awareness. But enough about that. We're here to talk music. And like I said, rock in this genre, psychedelic genre, it's meant to detach you from reality. Kind of like what LSD would do. So rock and psychedelic rock specifically tries to do this through the use of electronic sound effects and recording effects, um, extended soloing, improvisation. Um, So typically you think of things like guitars with feedback, uh, wah-wah and fuzzback or distortion effects. Um, Other effects to be used include panning and phasing, long delay loops, extreme reverb. The music also took on elements of Eastern music. Um, So especially something like Indian music. And that was done through the use of like non-Western instruments such as the sitar and the tabla. Um, The sitar actually became very popular um, and was used by Traffic, the band. And the first recorded instance from an Eastern from an Eastern artist to be using a sitar was actually George Harrison of the Beatles. Um, 1965's song Norwegian Wood, This Bird Has Flown from the album Rubber Soul. George Harrison played a sitar on that song and he actually became the first West, or sorry, I think I said Eastern earlier. I became the first Western musician to play a sitar on a commercial recording because of course it had been used over in Eastern music for quite a long time. But he, George Harrison, became the first person, first musician, to play a sitar from the West on a commercial recording. Um, it was famously used by the Rolling Stones as well. Brian Jones on uh, 1966 Paint It Black used a sitar. This sort of music uses sitars and tablas and electronic organs and harpsichords and mellotrons, um, theremins and synthesizers. Um, the peak years of this genre were basically, like I said, the, the Beatles kind of ushered it in or um, commercially here in the West and some other bands as well uh, in 1965. So the peak years were about 66 to 69, which corresponds with some of the events like 1967 Summer of Love, 1969's Woodstock Rock Festival. So again, Traffic did a lot of this as they incorporated the sitar and the tabla, they incorporated keyboards. I I mentioned the Mellotron earlier. Um, They did uh, incorporate the Mellotron in their music, and you're probably thinking, what is a Mellotron? Um, A Mellotron is an electromechanical polyphonic tape relay keyboard. Most famously, when I think of Mellotron, the, the song that instantly comes to mind is the Beatles' Strawberry Fields Forever. think of when I say the Mellotron and a lot of people don't know this but I think of the 1990s song Wonderwall by Oasis there's a cello sound that plays during that song and it plays throughout the song but that's not a cello that was actually a Mellotron 
Um, so let's listen to that. I, I, I have a clip of the Mellotron sound that was isolated from Wonderwall. So let's give that a listen right now. There you go, that was a Mellotron, that was not a cello. And even in the music video filmed for Wonderwall, they are actually playing a stringed instrument. They are playing a, a cello. But it's actually not a cello. It's an electronic tape keyboard. It's a Mellotron, so that's pretty neat. I mean, not everybody knows that. It, it's a pretty cool piece of information. Like I said, Traffic also used har harpsichords, they, the previously mentioned sitar, woodwind reeded instruments they used as well and they over time they began to integrate attributes of progressive rock jazz rock jam rock so who was traffic and who were they made up of what were the members or who were the members uh, the band featured well, probably most famously steve winwood he actually came over for an, from another band called the spencer davis group he joined the spencer davis group at the age of 14. He played keyboards and did vocals for the Spencer Davis group. Probably most famously, they were known for this song, Gimme Some Lovin'. Traffic. Um, Winwood was on vocals, guitar, keyboards, bass. Another guy named Jim Capaldi um, was the main lyric writer. And he also played drums, other percussion, and he provided some vocals. Uh, Chris Wood played flute and saxophone and keyboards. And then Dave Mason played guitar, sitar, bass, and vocals as well. Um, Traffic's first studio album was titled Mr. Fantasy which the song that we're talking about, Dear Mr. Fantasy, came from. And it was the, the album was released in December of 1967. So here's a short clip of the song that we are talking about that was in Avengers Endgame, Dear Mr. Fantasy. You got to think a little bit other music at this time that was being released similar to this i mean you had cream's disraeli gears album buffalo springfield's buffalo springfield again the beatles album magical mystery tour Jimi hendrix experiences axis boldest love album the who's the who sell out and you even had steppenwolf's self-titled debut album during this year, during that point in time in, in 67. That original lineup that I had mentioned earlier of Traffic existed from 67 to 69, 
And then they disbanded, and Steve Winwood joined this kind of a, a super group called Blind Faith. And they consisted of Steve Winwood, the great Eric Clapton, and then Ginger Baker, who was the drummer of Cream. But they, again, they traffic disbanded in 69, but they actually reunited just a year later in 1970 and then released an album called John Barleycorn Must Die, which in itself is a tremendous rock album, and I highly, highly recommend listening to it if you like like late 60s and early 70s rock music. Um, the album itself peaked at number 5 on the Billboard 200 with Certified Gold, but as with most bands, they only last for a few years, and they actually dis- traffic disbanded again in 1974. Winwood became a session player for a few years. He had done session work for a lot of people before that. He had done uh, session work for the Jimi Hendrix Experience, B.B. King, Howlin' Wolf, Lou Reed. And then later on, he would go to do session work for folks like Robert Palmer, George Harrison, David Gilmour, uh, Pink Floyd, Jimmy Buffett, Phil Collins, and Eric Clapton. Winwood produced his first solo album, which was self-titled in 77. So a few years after Traffic disbanded in 74. He made two more albums in 1980 and 1982, and he actually recorded the entire album by playing all the instruments and doing all the vocals. So he's a talented guy. In the mid-80s, he released his fourth album, Back in the High Life, which peaked in the United States at number three. And you probably know this song, know several songs from this album, and, and subsequent albums because he became a really successful solo artist. Here's a clip of Back in the High Life. Singles from that album included Higher Love, Back in the High Life Again, The Finer Things, Freedom Over Spill. He actually won the Grammy Award for Record of the Year that year for Higher Love. And then a subsequent album in 1988 produced the hit Roll With It. So here's a clip of Roll With It. I'm sure you will recognize this song. Winwood would go on to make about four more studio albums, plus a Greatest Hits album, which was a live album, which was another great album to listen to. But let's get back to the song. That's enough about Steve Winwood as a solo artist, more than you probably want to hear. Um, But we need to talk about this song called Dear Mr. Fantasy. Um, It's been covered by many artists throughout the years. The Grateful Dead covered it. The great Jimi Hendrix covered it. Crosby, Stills, Nash covered it. And even the rock band Tesla covered it. On this song, this studio version of the song, which appeared in the movie, uh, it's about 5 minutes and 44, 45 seconds in length. Steve Winwood provided vocals and guitar. Dave Mason played bass. Harmonica provided backing vocals. Chris Wood played the organ and provided backing vocals. Jim Capaldi played drums, backing vocals. And actually the song producer, Jimmy Miller, played the maracas. So... The lyrics were written by Capaldi, as he wrote the lyrics for most of their music. 
and the music was written, as typical, by Steve Winwood and Chris Wood. There is an extended live version of the song that they released. It's about 11 minutes in length, and it can be found on their 71 live album, Welcome to the Canteen. I'm going to play that at the very end of this episode because it's a tremendous live version of this song. So let's look at the lyrics for Dear Mr. Fantasy, and I'm going to read these and then play the specific parts of the song. So here are the lyrics. Dear Mr. Fantasy, play us a tune. Something to make us all happy. Do anything. Take us out of this gloom. Sing a song. Play guitar. Make it snappy. who can make us all laugh but doing that you break out in tears please don't be sad if it was a straight mind you had we wouldn't have known you all these years itself is used and i think this is used perfectly in avengers endgame you just you got to think about what happened or what just happened in avengers infinity war from last year the events that led up to this point in time as the song opens up avengers endgame it opens up the movie so the decimation occurred at the end of infinity war the snap around the world around the universe um, 50% of life on Earth, and what from what we find out across the universe, has been eradicated. Poof. Gone. We saw uh, Clint Barton's family, Hawkeye's family, get snapped in the opening, opening sequence of this film. Then we pan to Tony Stark and Nebula as they're drifting in space on the Benatar, which is running out of power and fuel. They've been adrift for 22 days. Uh, they have no real food, just crumbs that they're, they're, they're getting from bags of food. It's a dire situation all around. It's an extreme situation. I can dream that they found Peter Quill's music stash on his Zune MP3 player and have been jamming to Star-Lord's favorite songs while passing the time, working on the Benatar and playing paper football games and, and basically doing anything that they can to stop thinking about the very good potential of death on the horizon, that they're going to die in space. Again, let's read the lyrics because we're going to kind of compare this to what this, why this song I think, I think was played in this, in this um, movie. Dear Mr. Fantasy, play us a tune, something to make us all happy. Do anything, take us out of this gloom, sing a song, play guitar, make it snappy. You are the one who can make us all laugh, but doing that, you break out in tears. Please don't be sad. 
if it was a straight mind you had, we wouldn't have known you all these years. So if you look at those lyrics, I see this as a bit of foreshadowing regarding the big event at the end of the film, the death of Tony Stark. Just think of those lyrics again, and think of Stark as Mr. Fantasy. Dear Mr. Fantasy, Tony Stark, play us a tune. Do what you normally do. Something to make us all happy. He's figuring out time travel, saving loved ones in the world. Do anything, take us out of this gloom. Obviously, the gloom would be the decimation and its aftermath. Sing a song, play guitar. Again, do what you do. You are good at doing what you do as as Tony Stark and Iron Man. Make it snappy. I, I think it's just a... Uh, 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 coincidental reference to the decimation the snap um, I think it's just really it's just a nod to how much um, there is really no room for error here in the impending situation that must be dealt with quickly I mean, it has to be snappy you've got to get this figured out now we got to figure out how to take care of Thanos we got to figure out that it, it's a dire situation so then it goes on you are the one who can make us all laugh. So Tony Stark has an ability for one-liners and quips, and he's sarcastic, and he can he, he says things that are funny, yet very sarcastic, but he can make us all laugh. But doing that, you break out in tears. He's also the source of a lot of chaos and frustration in the Avengers. I mean, all you have to do is go back to other Avengers movies, Captain America Civil War, um, any of these movies, you see he is the source of a lot of chaos. Please don't be sad if it was a straight mind you had. Well, Stark is a genius. He's a technological wizard. But he's dealing with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, from all of the events that happened previous to this. He's got other issues, but that is his character. So... He's obviously not in straight, he didn't have a straight mind, but we love him because he doesn't have a straight mind. We wouldn't have known you all these years. 11 years of the MCU. Tony Stark, Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. started it all back in 2008. So 11 years ago. Robert Downey Jr. has appeared in 8 of the 22 MCU films as Iron Man. Really, it's a beautiful song. It serves, to me, it serves as a thank you letter to Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr., and is a tremendous, tremendous way to say goodbye to a beloved character. So there you have it. Traffic, the band, psychedelic rock, LSD, uh, Dear Mr. Fantasy, the MCU, Tony Stark, Iron Man. Like I said, I'm going to end the podcast with a live extended version of the song. So please stick around and listen to it. I think it's fantastic. Um, if you can, go out and listen to other music from Traffic. It's really, really good late 60s, early 70s rock music. Tremendous stuff. I mean, if you listen to it and don't like it, I would be very surprised. Also, go see Avengers Endgame again, if you can. Uh, we want it to beat Avatar. I mean, there's no doubt. This, I think Avengers Endgame will be the number one movie of all time. So, as always, you can get in touch with me on Facebook at the Nobody Asked You Kevin podcast page, on Twitter at, at Forensic Talks Guy, 
or by regular old electronic mail at nobodyaskedyoukevin at gmail.com. I'm going to be working on another one of these episodes. If you have a song or a band that you would like to be profiled, uh, please let me know, either by Facebook or Twitter or email or carrier pigeon. It does not matter to me how you get it to me. But if there is a song from the MCU that you would like me to talk about or a band that has played, I'm game to talk about them. I have my list of songs that I want to cover. Um, But until next time, my friends, always use that Oxford comma. Much love to you all. Peace. Peace.